0: Welcome to the Residency, a podcast series from Designio and the British Council, exploring the work of contemporary designers and craftspeople around the world. This episode looks at the work of metalsmith Katie Surridge and her exploration of traditional smelting techniques in Ireland and Japan. My name's Katie Surridge, and I'm an artist blacksmith based in Peckham. Um, so my project was titled rediscovering uh, lost techniques for a sculptural use and the focus of my project was to try and collect iron ore um, to smelt and then use to create my own iron. Uh, So the idea was that I wanted to be able to control the whole process from start to finish. Um, I think that uh, modern blacksmiths are incredibly reliant on a you know just being able to go to the shop and buy the steel and and when i look at old forged metal work i'm i'm blown away by the fact that people first had to make the material they used uh, and i felt like there was a bit of a, a almost a disconnection between my own work because i i wanted to create the, these kind of a beautiful kind of ancient feeling objects using a really ancient technique but using a modern steel i wasn't really getting the feel that i wanted so I I started doing some research into um, a process called smelting which is the extraction of um, the iron from an ore uh, and an ore would be a natural rock or a sand you find uh, and then use high temperatures to extract the iron out of it. The, the use of handmade smelted iron is perfect for this because when you're forming it it's not a, a a perfect material it, it it develops these cracks and the a lovely grain structure within it and i think these qualities lend themselves really well for, for sculpture for my winston churchill bursary award i went to two places the first was ireland uh, and i visited a place called woodford which is in galway Uh, And the reason I chose to go here was the fact that uh, every year for the last three years now, they've been holding the annual Furnace Festival. Uh, And the Furnace Festival is a gathering of about 40 to 50 people from all over the world who are interested in smelting. Uh, And we come together in a field to build clay furnaces. uh, And the idea is to use all locally sourced materials. So I spent uh, some time over there digging up clay, collecting sand... Uh, visiting a charcoal maker uh, and most interestingly uh, collecting the iron ore itself, the second part I wanted to compare uh to Japan, probably the only place in the world where smelting happens on what I call a commercial scale um, in japan they they uh, make katana and that 's the japanese swords uh, and and to be able to make katanas, you have to use hand smelted tatara steel. Um, Smelting in Japan actually stopped after the Second World War and the knowledge was almost lost. Uh, It restarted again in 1977 when they designated it as a cultural property. Luckily, there was one old man left who remembered the traditional knowledge um, and then he trained two murages and murages are uh, people who have the special knowledge of the smelting process. So the one old man trained two one of them I met in, in Japan, who's now 83 years old, um, and he's still smelting, so this, the knowledge is being is protected as well. So there's three main elements, I suppose, to any furnace. We've got the fuel, uh, the furnace itself, and the ore. So in Japan... They have an ore called magnetite and amazingly this is found naturally in a magnetic form. So when I was out collecting ore, all I had to do was take a really big strong magnet down to the beach or into the riverbeds and, and literally drag the magnet through the riverbed and I was picking up enough, uh, you know, kilos of ore. I picked up about 10 kilos on on in a riverbed. This magnetite is a—it's a very fine black powder. Uh, it looks—it looks like the, what's inside an etcher sketch almost. It, it, when you're using an etcher sketch, the little tiny black fibers are what I was collecting, uh, and and you put you you lift it out of the earth with a magnet. In Ireland, it was a much different process. We went to bogs uh, and there's, a, the, there's the bacterial action which happens in the bogs actually means that the iron is laid down in, in kind of big, big seams by the bacteria. So we were in bogs, you know, lifting up the turf layer and then finding this, uh, how could I explain, a brown, spongy, crumbly rock Uh, was one type of ore I found another type of ore I found was a, a called a siderite and this was a really dense black heavy rock and I suppose this is part of the process which actually fascinates me the most and perhaps posed the most amount of problems is actually sourcing the ore because I'm not a geologist and I don't have any experience in in what to look for but you can start looking for clues, uh, be it place names or you can look at old maps and there might be old mines uh, located. Or I did actually meet a geologist who said he'd be really happy to work with me. So there's various ways to sort through So the other raw materials are the charcoal. And it's really important that you use charcoal, not uh, wood or any man-made briquettes, because The reactive process which happens in the furnace is reliant on carbon uh, and charcoal is basically a pure form of carbon. The other material uh, we need to focus on is the the actual furnace wall. Uh, And this is made of clay, sand and sometimes you can put in a natural fibre such as an animal dung or a straw chopped up finely. Uh, and, and the clay is really important because not only is it uh, massively insulating and, and contains the heat for the process inside the furnace, it also actually, um, it, the inside of the walls break down and help in the formation of something called slag. Uh, and slag is very important when you're forming iron because it's the small iron molecules fall to the bottom of the of the furnace and they collect in the liquid slag, which is the waste material. Uh and it and it kind of regulates the whole whole happenings inside the furnace so so good clay is is just as important as a good ore so there was a couple of places i i did smelts in japan the first was at the nimi city tatara festival and this was a 24 hour smelt we didn't go to bed for 24 hours so we started the day before building the furnace there was about 40 of us and then the actual smelt lasted for 24 hours and this was constantly people putting in clay and iron sand. The other furnace I ran was a more modern furnace which I'm actually really interested in. It it had a steel outer wall and then only was lined with clay and this is very interesting because actually in the Tatara process, I witnessed it, the Nimi festival and the furnaces I ran in Ireland. They, they can only be used one or two times and then they are destroyed in the process. But by building a steel outer wall and lining it with clay, just a much thinner layer, it, it saves... I mean, the initial welding will be a lot harder, but actually be able to reuse the furnace is a lot more time efficient, in in my view. So the smelting in Japan takes place in a special building called a takadono, and this is a a purpose-built building which um, is is purely for the the smelting. And the incredible thing about this is it actually becomes a holy space at the start of each smelt. Um, and a, a, a Shinto priest came to the space beforehand and set up a shrine. Uh, he gave offerings of sake and vegetables to Kanayago. Uh, Kanayago is the goddess of metalworking, which is a really, um, she like she was somebody who really kind of became a part of my journey, actually. In so many ways, every workshop I went to would always have a Kanayago shrine. And she apparently rode on a white egret and landed in a katsura tree and taught the local people how to make iron. So everybody holds her in really high regard. I'm particularly interested in uh, religion and magic and spiritual belief within my own practice. And I think what I will definitely take away from Japan is the idea, the Shinto belief that anything can be a god Uh, a a guitar could be a god a hammer could be a god and I think that teaches us to to respect everything around us and I did notice this in Japan is the level of respect everything um, operated with and I I think that's perhaps why the Japanese are so renowned for their craftsmanship the residency is a co-production between Desenyo the quarterly journal of design and the British council the United Kingdom's International Organisation for Cultural Relations and Educational Opportunities. This episode was based on an original interview by Christina Rapatsky, produced by Chris Jones and edited by Debika Ray.